Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. Hello, my name is Liz Bateson and I am founder of the High Net Network and Prosperity Group Global. And what I do is connect professionals with each other to upgrade their circle of wealth and create community around the world of wealth and abundance. And welcome to the Inspiring Leadership Series. And I'll hand you over to my host, Jonathan Bowman-Perks. Well, thank you very much, Liz. And you come with uh, great respect and admiration from Stephen Kuhn, who we both like and know well. And he wrote that amazing book, Unleash Your Humble Alpha. He was on the series and his buddy is going to be on the series later on. But Liz, let's begin with, um, tell us a little bit about all these different things you're doing right now um, in two or three minutes. That would be quite useful. And then let's go back after that, when you've told me that, to your, your childhood and who shaped and influenced you to be the leader you are today. So firstly, what are the different things you're doing now? Because it's fascinating. Wow, all of a sudden my life seems to have exploded in, into all these businesses that are an extension of who I am, which is amazing. Um, and so I'm really, really privileged. So the very kind of top thing on my mind is uh, my a network of amazing, amazing individuals called the High Net Network, soon to be called High Net Connect. And what that really is, is building community around the world of wealth creation that's actually somewhere really safe for people to go and get real information and make real trusted relationships because all too often in the world of um, in the world of wealth um, I come from a background of finance and property uh, you can you can you can get mixed up with the wrong people so I really wanted to create a space for very um, very good people of integrity to connect and it's always relationships first and business second. So that's that's the top of my list. Um, other than that, I also am director of um, Preneur Capital, that is a bridging and development finance firm, um, and that's self-explanatory. But one of the other things that I'm really excited about, we're just launching, it's embryonic right now, is Prosperity Group Global. And that's actually um, a large company that has various different verticals, but mainly around, again, wealth creation, real estate, but also mindset, because it's all very well, you know, finding ways to make money. But actually, if you don't have the right mindset, um, it can be a bit of a disaster, which I'm sure we'll go into later. It very much is. I, I remember in my, uh, in my first marriage, I um, discussed with my wife doing a program which was all about wealth uh, management and uh, coaching to help you, you know, buy properties and things like this and make more money with your money. And I was introduced to this woman um, who, Sasha, who uh, seemed very confident and she uh, sold us all this dream of making money with your money. And uh, she was very persuasive. And I bought properties in Cyprus off plan, which were then going to grow and she had the promise that Thompson's everybody else would want to rent it and I would double my money, all this kind of stuff. Anyway, got involved and it was a complete scam. And the guys in Cyprus were crooks, even the lawyers, the barristers were all crooked. And um, I think at the end of the day, I probably lost 300,000 pounds. It took 10 years out of my life. And uh, my ex-wife and I 
ended up with just a, you know, I think we've got about 30 or 40,000 at the end out of it, but lost all the properties. It was just a scam. So what you're doing to set up something that is trustworthy and you can do the due diligence on it, I, I know from personal experience is very important. But um, take us back to the young Liz Bateson and um, who was it that shaped and influenced this energetic, vibrant leader that you are today? Just tell us some of the people and the experiences that shaped you. Wow. Well, I've, um, I've looked back at this actually quite a few times um, and had different answers each time. But at the moment, it's quite pertinent because uh, my dad's not well at the moment. And actually, when a member of, oh, it's OK, but it was it's kind of been declining for a while. And actually, um, all of the people that have influenced my life haven't really measured up to my father's influence on me because he's one of those men that does life his own way and even in his declining health now you know he's still he's still like wheelie he's wheeled his you know ivy over and had a fag out the window and <laughs> he just does things his own way and what I didn't realize was that actually uh not that I'm advocating smoking in any way shape or form but I really do I really do um, feel that he's given me that sense of um, strength of character so that I don't get pushed around too much. And, and, and when they've forgotten that in times of life, which as you change and you become weaker for whatever reason, that has, um, that has, it's done me wrong, actually. And I always go back now to my dad and the way he is in that, he lives his life by his own rules. He's incredibly kind. And he is a leader that, that rules with, um, with love, actually. And it took me a good 40 years to realise that because I just thought it was Big Bad Wolf for a long time. But actually, he's just a true leader. And he's instilled in all of his four children massive, massive strength of character where, you know, if we don't like something, we say no. And that's really important. Yeah. And it is... It is really important, this aspect of love. My, my book, uh, Inspiring Leadership, Leadership Lessons from My Life. I actually was originally called Loving Leadership, uh, but I had a rather crusty old general called uh, General Lamont Kirkland who went, oh, I'm not gonna be in some book called Loving Leadership. And so I, I changed it to Inspiring Leadership, which actually I think was fine. He was looking a bit pompous, but it was a, a pretty fair point. And, uh, but actually, Really inspiring leaders uh, have humility, humanity, humor, and they have a lot of love for the people. They, people want to follow those men and women, not because they have to, they choose to. And, and your dad teaching you and your three siblings about love and the importance of it is really important. I'm, I had the same with my late mother. She's very loving, very loving woman. And, um, and, and so the three brothers, one who's, uh, I think we were sharing before, one was attacked and stabbed and only just recovering uh, to, to a colleague broke in and tried to kill him. And then the other one is sadly got about six to eight weeks left to live only at the age of 63 of terminal cancer, which he didn't know about until two months ago. He was just fine. And then suddenly it's been in him for so long. So that's when a lot of love comes into the family when you are supporting each other and caring for each other whether you've been attacked or whether you're dying and it brings everything to perspective doesn't it your your father is coming towards the end of his life we were all on one journey it's only going one way it's a question of when my father was 33 when he was killed uh, he lived his whole life it just was 33 years david's living his life it's just 63 years 
your father however many years he has. So I think, don't you think it, it brings it all into perspective? Hugely. And you start answer, asking those three really important questions that everyone should not forget that they need to ask every single day. Who am I? Where have I come from and where am I going? And, you know, there's no real answer to that. It's all it's all very speculative. But I think it's important to keep asking that because as you ask it, um, you, you get closer and closer, I believe, to to the truth and actually having a larger, a bigger, higher perspective on, on things, which all of these tragic events do force you into, often brings you back to, um, to a, a place of forgiveness. You know, you can't hold grudges when you're looking, you know, these, these people in the face after years and years of, mm. of possible um, conflict. You've got to get to a place of real deep um, trust in the process of life. And actually, that's a huge part of it is actually coming to terms with your mortality. And it's in a way, it's bizarrely um, strengthening, knowing that we are all together. We're all going the same way. And and all of the stuff that you think is really important, suddenly not very important anymore. And the only thing that really matters is those relationships. Uh, uh, that is just exactly what I was saying to my brother, David. We, we actually could have a call. He's in hospital having had pins put in his femur to keep the leg from breaking because the cancer's grown into the bone. It's just all over his body. And, uh, and I just said at the end of the day, David, you know, when you look back on your life, it's all about your friends and your family and your inbox is always full. Um, but but it's, it's, it's your friends and your family and the love you have. That, that's very powerful. Thank you, Liz. Let's go on to in your life, your proudest moment and, and your darkest moment, yes. personally or work-wise, and what you learned from both imposters and treat them just the same. Mm. Oh, that's a really good word, imposters. Yes, um, my proudest moment, actually, bizarre, <laughs> bizarrely, there's so many amazing achievements, but I've been one of those people that's been blessed with, um, blessed with things I never earned at all I didn't earn my uh, I've got a very logical brain and I've always been very academic so exams are easy getting A's are easy getting a first class in math seems such a but it was for me it wasn't it wasn't tough so so it's all relative and so for me other things were tough in life like like I was the one that was picked last for PE all the time I was the one that really struggled to get into a decent relationship I was I always had all these other things. And one of the things that is going to sound ridiculous after all the things I've done, but one of the things I'm so proud of is passing my driving test at the age of 35 because I'm a very anxious person. I like to, um, I like to live my life in the quiet lane, in the slow lane, uh, because I have such a lot of activity going on up here. The last thing I want to do is have a, a dangerous, fast-paced life. And actually, I actually avoided avoided driving for that reason. I, 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 and when I did manage to pass my driving test, I can't tell you how liberating it was. And everyone's looking at me going, no, well, that's just normal, Liz. That's just normal. But me, my, my normal might be creating a, a big community and creating a presentation. And they all say, oh, that's extraordinary. But for me, the normal is extraordinary. And I felt like a new woman. And so you couldn't get, I was on cloud nine for a long time. And... <laughs> 
<laughs> even now, like seven years later, I still can't believe it when I'm driving around in the car. Oh my God, I'm driving. So yeah, that's a that's probably the most menial, proudest moment you've ever had. <laughs> but it meant a lot to me. No, no, and it's lovely the 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 normalcy of it, but yet it's exceptional for some people. So I love that comment that people go, treat your neighbor as yourself. And actually we're all very different. Don't actually treat your neighbor as yourself. Treat your neighbor as your neighbor wants to be treated and what's big for them might not be a driving test, but for you it was. So, you know, it's, it is interesting. We try and make one size fit all. It really doesn't, does it Liz? And then what about a, a dark moment, either in your work or in your personal life and, and, how you came out of it and what you learned from it. Yeah, well, I had, um, I've had two quite dark moments in my personal life, really. I, I guess one led to another. I um, divorced the father of my children when my children were two and four, which is really young. And it was a really scary time. In fact, coincided with me passing my driving test. <laughs> so maybe that was it. I felt free, liberated. It was my choice. And, you know, I did consciously want I did want to leave that relationship. Um, what I didn't realise was that so much of me for the last 10 years previously had been invested in that relationship that when I came away from it, especially as a relatively new mum, I'd lost my identity completely. I just didn't know who I was. But I didn't know that I didn't know who I was. I was just in autopilot and I really was really in a bad place so much so that I felt that I couldn't trust myself I felt that I needed to be in a couple I needed to have um, someone there to look after me and that prompted a very very quick uh, remarriage uh, to a new guy that I'd only known for like five minutes um, which obviously you can tell already the end of the story it ended very very quickly but I'm it was my, again, I pushed all of that. I pushed the relationship ended. I pushed the relationship with the other guy and I pushed the divorce. So that those two divorces in that period of my life, which was from about 2015 to about 2019. So it's not hugely, like it's not a long, long time ago. Were really, really dark. Um, and even the, the business decisions and everything I made in that time were, came from a bad place because I absolutely felt worthless. And it's really easy for people to look at other people and say, well, they've got it together. They've got everything going on. But actually inside, I just felt like I don't know who I am. I'm worth nothing to the world. And it's probably best for me to just get married and be very quiet. Um, didn't work. <laughs> the universe had other plans. You know, but you raise a point that uh, I, uh, when I was in the army, I was at a dinner and talking to a wife who was a social worker. And, and, and I was asking her about it. And she goes, well, you think it's, you know, that the more deprived areas where all the problems are. She said, you'd be surprised behind the doors of some of the luxury mansions and very well-paid upper middle-class people are some horrendous cases of coercive control and abuse. And I myself got out of a very uh, un, unhappy and difficult relationship for 23 years I was in and I, I got out of it. And, and it, it, people just don't know. They look and they think, they know your life, but they don't know. So I've learned not to judge other people. I still fall into that human trap of being judgmental. You've got to have good judgment, but don't be judgmental. But but I think it's reminded me time and again, you don't know someone else's life until you hear their life story, which is why I want to hear your life story. And I'm so fascinated with it. Let's, let's go on to 
piece of advice that the young Liz Bateson, age 16, now having made the mistakes you've made, had the successes you've had, had the, the, the highs and the lows, the, the, the bright and the dark moments, what bit of advice, if you were sitting yourself down and go, this matters, this doesn't, what, just briefly, what would you tell yourself? Gosh, I, I, I think about this all the time because I'm a bit of a nerd and I totally believe in time travel. So I'm obsessed with quantum physics and, I, and I'm sure, I am sure that I can send messages to my previous self. I am so sure about that. And I often think the thing that I really love to tell the 16 year old me is, um, it sounds so simple, but for me, it was a really huge, huge deal is to really believe in those, those ideas of myself that I had, because when I was growing up, I don't know if everyone has this, but there's a part of everyone that feels that they are special, that they are glorious. You know, when you're a toddler or a little bit older and you want to dance and sing and you want to be something and you feel that you deserve it at that stage. And then life just knocks it out of you saying, you're not good enough for that. You don't have the X factor. That's just, that's not who you are. And I had this constant gnawing feeling that I was going to do something great but life did knock it out of me and school knocked it out of me actually um I would love to say to my 16 year old self you're not deluded it is going to come together it's just going to be a little bit later and I think for a lot of people they feel that they have to have their careers sorted or their family life sorted and everything's stable before they can actually write that book or mm. create that that um, project. And I would say, no, I'd say you really don't have time to wait in life. You can't expect things to be settled before you get going. So I would say to my 16 year old self, you're right, there is something special and you need to get going now and stop wasting time. Great. And which reminds me that a lovely scientist said to me the other day, he said, do you realize, Jonathan, today is as slow as it ever will be. This is the slowest it will be. It's always going to accelerate from here on in. And also to have that attitude that it, it, there's never going to be a, a quieter time. You know, if, if you're going to do it, go and do it. I remember doing my MBA, my brigadier, when I was in the army, I said, well, you know, there's a lot going on. I've got small children and things and you know, maybe, maybe this is not a good time. Said, There's never a good time. Just just go and do your MBA in your spare time and you'll never regret it. And it served me well. Um, lovely bit of advice. Thank you for that, Liz. Let's go around the Inspiring Leadership Compass, which you would have seen on my website, jonathanperks.com. Um, MQ, PQ, HQ. Let's look at MQ first, moral uh, quotient. So your integrity and your values. What would be um, the top three fundamental values you live by and what did you learn when you let them slip? Oh, this is such a good question. <laughs> um, first and foremost, now I live by honesty. Mm -hmm. Honesty is something that is really difficult for a people pleaser. <laughs> it doesn't come naturally. Yeah. I was, I could I definitely describe myself as sycophantic at times. Mm. And that had just led me down the wrong, darkest paths imaginable. Because what happened was in that um, dishonest state, actually what happened was that I was betraying myself mm. and I was putting other people's um, desires, needs, 
agenda before mine because I didn't feel brave enough to say no I don't like this I don't think this is right and what ended up happening many times over in lots of different situations is me getting stuck in a situation I just didn't want to be in and that was business and personal so honesty now even when it's really uncomfortable for me to to say I don't like something because it is I don't I don't enjoy that that's number one by far Mm. um Second to that, and I guess related to that, is integrity. And, and that's something that I'm in, as I said, in the world of wealth, property, um, money, it can bring out the worst in people. It can bring out really dark side in people. And there are times when I've been asked to, um, I guess, adjust my integrity to get a deal over the line or something like that and I've never done it but I've been tempted to do it and and that night like that day if somebody said oh can you do this and and I've been like oh I'm not sure it might be cutting someone out of a deal or it might be you know nothing illegal by the way but just but just not right and I can't sleep I literally can't sleep and it just gets bigger and bigger. And I don't understand how some people can just live their lives like that. And they do. But for me, it made me feel actually physically sick. So integrity has got to be something that I live by. And also everyone that works with me, I'm hopefully good now with my integrity radar. And lastly, um, we talked about at the beginning. I don't know if it's a value as such, but um, love. It's... uh, I guess it's a quality and a value. It could be all things. It's such a big word. But I don't believe love should be reserved for family and friends and um, romance. I think love is part of friendship and, and relationship all the time. It's part, I believe, it's the very electromagnetic spectrum that keeps all atoms together and keeps reality is as it is. So for me, you can... You can um, behave with love all the time by being communicative harm like work in harmony and also love to me really really means that we're all connected we're not disconnected and that if you act and behave like that like every cell of your body does all the time then um you know you're part of a whole and not one thing can go off on its own because that is a that's like a cancerous that's a cancerous process. You can't go off on your own and do your own thing and think you're not part of the whole because you are. And so love has to be in every single business decision, contract, relationship, conversation. Very interesting. And a friend of mine, uh, Professor Roger Steer, we were at Cass Business School as visiting professors. Um, he picked out a quote uh, which said. Uh, to expect exponential growth in a closed system, which is what people expect today with the financial markets, you've either got to be mad or an economist <laughs> because it is cancer that is exponential growth in a closed system. In your body, yes. it grows exponentially, like my poor brother, yes. David. Yes. And, and, and I think sometimes people expect this. This is going to always go on like this, and they're not realistic. Let's do some quick fire questions. Yes. Um, PQ, which is meaning and purpose. Uh, if there were your, your top two things that give your life meaning and purpose, what would those two things be? Well, firstly, um, being fulfilling, fulfilling, I guess, 
um, all the all the gifts that I've been given, as I said, I've been given so many gifts. Fulfilling my potential gives me a feeling of purpose. So that is in all aspects because I am a mum. I'm a mum of um, five children. I save children. My one of my stepchildren is eighteen, but but really giving true presence and my whole self. So I'm not living in a fractured way I'm living in a really full way and a, f- a fulfilled way in my role as mother in my role as as partner that's that's my number one yeah number one thing and in some ways what you're talking about before with your integrity yeah. when I talk about the integrated inspiring leader they have integrity all eight elements which we're talking about are important and well built but when you have bits missing, you are disintegrated, the disintegrated leader. And, and you've come across that before. Um, okay. Um, very briefly, what was your second one that you wanted to oh, mention? Yes. On P- second. Yes. Um, community. community. I didn't realise. Uh, it's funny because actually only just this morning, um, because I build communities, that's what I that's what I do. That's what I love. But I didn't really realise I was doing this. I've been doing it forever, but I didn't realise it or kind of make it a business until recently. And in one of the communities that um, I run this morning, it's called Prosperity Power. And it's again, it's a mindset thing. And we were talking about what went wrong over lockdown. And actually, uh, for me, we, my partner and I lost out on a huge deal that would have made us millions of pounds and my plan our plan was to take those millions of pounds this was in March literally the March of of the pandemic starting take those millions of pounds and we had planned to go off to Scotland find a private island uh, take the kids out school um, withdraw from social media and just become this like in our little ivory tower I don't know what we were thinking anyway the universe had different plans that all went to a pot and actually what happened was is that I, I came instead of withdrawing I went deep into community and it has brought me the most meaning and purpose I've ever had in my life I absolutely love love building communities and and the best bit is is that you see yourself in every single person so if you're having an identity crisis surround yourself with people they'll certainly reflect to you who you are brilliant um, next quick fire question would be um health quotient and this is mental and physical health and well-being so if you were to share with the listeners one top tip for your physical health that you'd recommend to others and one top tip for mental health improvement what would they be oh now that's really relevant because I think all of us really struggled with first lockdown I think that was uh, in England particularly that was when we all drank ourselves silly wasn't it (laughs) we just thought great excuse so for me physical is is really being aware of what you put into your body so don't have food drinks um any 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 toxins without being fully aware of it so often we can just do things and 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 almost turn a blind eye and that's what I did a lot I turn a blind eye to that fourth glass of wine or turn a blind eye to that you know I'm a I'm a sucker for crisps you know I'd eat like three packets in a row and that was a re and and I knew I was doing wrong and now what I do is I really really am conscious when I eat and drink and it feels good you can feel light going into your body when you when you respect and are aware of what's actually going in so that's number one above all things, eating and drinking consciously. 
Um, number two was men, uh, mindset and mental health. For me is, um, sounds very cliche, but quietness. Without, without quietness, it's incredibly difficult to, for me to get to my source, to get to that um, observer part of me, the part that's detached from the story. And you, and you get caught up in your story every day and, and you can mistake that story for being you, but it's not who you are. You're something else. There's intelligence inside you that created your body. There's intelligence inside you that keeps you in reality. And, and that's the intelligence that I, I guess, gather strength from. And I need quietness for that, for my mental health. Brilliant. Lovely. Um, moving on to a quick tip on EQ, emotional and social intelligence. If you were to give people one tip that you found here you are building communities, what's one tip that's given you great emotional intelligence and ability to connect with people? Yeah, it's, uh, it, again, it sounds so simple, but it's, it's to listen first, to, to actually, and not listen with agenda, not listen to that which they're saying so that you can make your point, listen without agenda, and that's not as easy as you think because often we are just waiting for our time to speak. We are just waiting to reassert who we are because often our conversations are ego-based, not in a bad way, just in a, you know, we need our ego and identity, but it's very rare to, to sit with someone that just is completely present and genuinely wants to see who you are. And when I do that with people, all of a sudden the, the point of the meeting isn't the point of the meeting anymore. And it's usually greater. So that for me really builds community and trust. Very good. And in fact, I, um, I've moved back onto podcasting, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, yeah. LinkedIn, Instagram, things like that. Rather than Clubhouse, which I did for a period of time, I got very enthusiastic and I would run Clubhouse sessions with CEOs. But it became what people would refer to as an ego chamber. Everybody just big egos. And it was that group of people who happened to be there for that time. Whereas this recording will go out to 180,000 people in 55 countries and they can listen to it when they want to, as much to of what you say, Liz, as they'd like to listen to. And if they really like what you say, they can follow you and that kind of stuff. They have choice. And I much prefer the podcast medium or the video medium. Being a dyslexic, my way of learning is auditory and, and, and visual. Um, let's go on to CQ next, uh, which is cultural intelligence quotient, which is really the basis of diversity, equality and inclusion. And what would be one tip that you've learned about um, adjusting to people with different, very different cultures and different backgrounds uh, and just difference? How, how have you embraced people's differences without making them wrong or being judgmental? This is quite close to my heart. I think we mentioned before uh, when we first chatted, I'm actually half Egyptian. My mum's an, um, an immigrant from Cairo. And so I've been brought up in a, in a environment of two cultures and oftentimes they do clash, especially when my dad wants a bacon sandwich. Being brought up as a Muslim doesn't really go down very well. Um, and it's, it's actually been, it's actually been, fantastic for me especially with what I do now because it means that I've got that I've got that um I've got that softness 
you know there's there's a lot of hardness people when they when they see differences in each other they take it to the extreme or if they see a different culture or, or they're dealing with a different culture they'll just take the worst scenario and then label that as as the normal behavior and, and it's just not true it's just not true most people are good honest people and then if there's a cultural um difference um, and that's a that's an attractive thing. Everyone can really embrace that. If there's a cultural difference and that you might not find it as attractive and you don't agree with it, um, don't all automatically assume that this is the most strong part of that person that you're dealing with because it might not be. They might not all. They might also not like it. And so for me, I I have quite an open heart with with um, every culture. And because I work in property as well as a lender, we have. Uh, and as a developer, actually, we have um, investors from all over the world. And actually, some of the cultural differences are quite difficult to understand. But um, for them, it makes complete sense. And if you don't respect it, you can really lose out on some incredible, incredible relationships. So I guess respect, open heartness and and just some softness and tolerance, yeah. actually, even if it is something that you don't necessarily agree with. Don't make too many assumptions on that person's entire belief system. That's so good, Liz. And um, uh, I, I went to Santos as a young 18-year-old uh, officer cadet to train to become an officer for two years. And in my platoon was Errol Stewart, who was a black Jamaican, was Anwar, who was from Jordan, was Jeffrey Bostic, who was from um, Barbados, uh, Himalaya Tapper from Nepal, um, and a few others as well, just in a platoon of 30. And they actually became my best friends. Uh, and when I remarried Lee, my, 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 my new wife, back six years ago, we went to Jamaica to get married where my best man was Errol, who I'd known for 40 years. And he runs the Caribbean Air Training Center. And so bless him, he flew some of our friends around the island. And for our honeymoon, he paid for and flew us from Jamaica onto Grand Cayman uh, we landed in his plane and then had a, a holiday and he brought us back again that that's wow. special connection with people from different cultures and different backgrounds and so I, I have always been brought up by my mother you know she, she'd come back from church and we'd be driving on the road and there'd be a little old lady shuffling along with with hair that hadn't been washed for four weeks and her, her, her possessions in two plastic bags and she'd stop and she'd say where are you having lunch and she said, well, I don't have lunch. She said, well, you do today. And she'd get her in the car and we'd all shuffle across and there'd be quite a smell of urine, but we just didn't say anything. We just got on with it because this is what happened. She'd bring her home, sit her down, give her lunch and then take her back to where she was. And that was just, you didn't judge people. So, so when I found it was interesting when I was at Santa's, there were some people from prestigious private schools who were very superior. Some were very good. You couldn't generalize because that's the half point. Everybody's different. But, but some of them would be quite superior about people from other countries, whereas others um, were very embracing and became great friends. And Anwar is now the general in charge of looking after King Hussein of Jordan, who was in the other platoon. Uh, and, and we were all together, which was such a great experience. But anyway, enough of me. So you got me reminiscing. Um, short time, quick questions. RQ. Uh Oh, I love that. RQ, if you were to give one tip about resilience and bouncing back from adversity, one, one tip to people, what, what's a good tip that they could use about resilience over adversity? 
Oh my goodness, this is so pertinent as well right now because we're in that hopefully um, era now of, of bouncing back. For me, again, without without meaning to to repeat myself, for me, my resilience came from from not only um, a deep deepening of my community roots. It really came from it. It came from asking for help and getting it because actually when there are times in life when you don't feel resilient and you feel weak um it's very easy to just take that on yourself completely and it's such a terrible terrible shame so actually I feel resilience I you know you might there might be people that say well you just got to look at your inner self and find your inner core and and actually sometimes that's not enough sometimes people can't do that and sometimes they're too dark to see the light inside them and so for me resilience is having a very very trusted inner circle that I could go to and even if they didn't even help me it was just to be able to express my vulnerability um shone a light on it so I could actually speak into it rather than keep it inside my head and oftentimes as soon as you speak into something other people will have a similar experience and all of a sudden it lifts you out of that darkness enough so for me resilience is definitely my inner circle by a long way brilliant thank you for that Liz uh, last two around the eight points of inspiring leaders and then we're going to team's uh, favorite book and the top tip um brand um how have you have you had your own leadership coach how have you learned about your own brand reputation image and impact from 360 feedback and like that because of course your brand is not what you think it is it's what other people speak about you when you're not in the room so so have you had a coach and have you had 360 what have you done um, I've had I've actually had probably a number of coaches, but did, they didn't realize they were coaches. Actually, it's taken me. Uh, in fact, I'm at a time in my life right now where I am actually going to be looking for that next level up of coach um, because because things are things are moving incredibly quickly and my businesses are going global. So for me, the, the coaches that have got me this far thus far um, have been have been my peers. And it's the people that I could relate to that were a couple of steps ahead rather than too far ahead, because I am a very exponential, I'm a slow learner. And then and then it all just comes together, which is, you know, <laughs> it's taken me 40 years to get to where I am now. Um, so for me, it's my peers. I can name some people, for example, like Ellie Mackay is a friend of mine and she is just extraordinary. And she's got three young children and she just keeps her energy in such a good place even though she's admitted to having struggles um she's actually put herself out there and given her spirit through the medium of social media and that really taught me to to be um generous of spirit as a leader i didn't really think of myself as a leader until that but she she's a natural leader because it's that generosity of spirit that 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 people pick up on and, and they start to believe they're part of your world rather than being under you. And that's how she made me feel. And that empowered me to now do it with my community. Fantastic. Really good story. I love it. And, and keep, keep going with that. Legacy. Um, what's, if there's one thing you'd like to leave as a legacy in your lifetime, not after your lifetime, um, 
aside, I won't let you make it your four kids because they're going to be part of your legacy. But but if there was one thing, what would you like your legacy to be in your lifetime? Oh, my legacy, I'd love to have, I'd love to, to create, um, to be the person to actually, to be affiliated with very, very special, safe places. Because I think holding a space for somebody is one of the most beautiful things you can do. Because... Um, as we said, in the, maybe pre this, I'm not sure now, but the three big questions, who am I, where am I going, where have I been, uh, sorry, where, have I, where, have I, where am I going and where have I come from? Those three things are always there. I'm always questioning life. And actually, it's, um, it keeps me, it keeps me centre. And um, yeah, I was just I was, I was just thinking of quite a few of quite a few different things there. I, I believe that if you've got a real deep sense of yourself, then everything else falls into place. And yeah. it's yeah, it's not yeah. it's actually more simple than complex. I've yeah. just been learning that. Yeah. Actually, becoming yourself is a, is a process of pulling away yeah. rather Be, than adding. Yeah. Be yourself, only better. That's that, that motto used to be for one of the gyms. Uh, yes. Last couple of questions. Um, executive teams or just teams. Yes. Um, what have you, what, what one tip would you give when people have got a toxic team where it might be just one individual that's toxic, that's poisoned the rest of the team or the team's not working well together. And how have you helped take it to being a high performing collaborative community or team? You could talk about communities. You know, yeah. What have you done to take it from toxicity to healthy yeah that's uh <laughs> okay it's really personal I feel like you're reading my mind um these things come up quite a lot and oftentimes in my experience it's been it's been a real real deep lack of communication a deep lack of boundaries when there are people that don't really truly understand where their place is and what their what there is and, and what they truly um what part they're truly playing there can be there can be rivalries, there can be jealousy, there can be negativity because they are they are feeling that maybe someone's stepping on their toes or they will broach someone else's boundaries. So whenever that's happened, I have um, I've gone in and talked again about what it is that they're they're brilliant at. Sometimes people are too actually they are actually not in the right place at all and maybe they need to leave but I've never ever had to deal with that all I've ever done is re-establish some really clear boundaries and clear communication and that pretty much is I guess the root problem of all things in all bad things in the world in the body in everything is bad communication yeah. um and that's so easily done yeah very good very good I so agree with that I, I like that one of just making people understand what their strengths are. And you're, I, I often ask this question, you know, you're responsible for your own life and your behavior. What are you going to do about this situation? What are you, it's your situation, it's your life. What are you going to do about it? And, and let's help you find your happiness elsewhere because it's clearly not working here. Um, last penultimate question, favorite book uh, that you've read recently, apart from Stephen's superb book on Unleash Your Handball Alpha, uh, what book would you recommend to people and why, why you like it? Oh, my goodness. This is such an easy one to answer because I say the same one every single time. It's The Power of Now by Eckhart, mm -hmm. Eckhart Tolle. Um, that book changed my life when I was 22. 
and it is not to me that's not a book that is not a book it's a transformational system and what happens when people read it um I, I recently gave it to one of my friends um lovely guy called Ross I gave it to him as a gift and the first time he read it he didn't really get it because it's all about presence it's all about being putting all of your energy every part of your mental energy and emotional energy and physical energy right now because if you are fantasizing or fearing the future or if parts of you are in the past regretful or you know going over grudges you can't ever truly um, act from a place of full-on power and so the first time he read it he was like I don't really understand this and then he got it on audio and it sunk in and he said it's changed his life and it is such a life-changing book um it sounds a bit airy fairy but trust me it's not and it just made everything so much more glorious enjoyable and it gives again that perspective because so often the things that we're frightened of in life um are never going to happen yeah uh, i i read it uh, and being dyslexic it was quite hard work but i then listened to it and, and and like your friend ross it made a lot of sense and um I will listen to it again. I'll go back over my audiobooks. Okay, let's do the final two minute top tip. If you'd like to introduce yourself, Liz, we'll go to that. Yeah. So, my name is Liz Bateson, and I am founder of HiNet Connect, the HiNet Network, and Prosperity Group Global. And my top tip is when you are building relationships, whether it be personal or business, um, really truly honor that genius in in the other person now that other person may not at first glance seem like there are any use to you which is obviously a really shallow way of looking at a relationship but they may not have an obvious part to play in your life but what I've found is that when I look at somebody with complete reverence magic and really hold the space for them and make them feel like they're the most special person in the world and that only they exist, true chemistry happens. And not only that, they'll start to recognize the genius in you. And all of a sudden, the relationship becomes elevated and you will be really surprised at some of the, some of the extraordinary things that can come from a conversation in the, in the Tesco's or you know anywhere. Amazing things have happened to me when I haven't really expected it. Fantastic. Liz, thank you. I found this a really fascinating conversation. We could have gone on for another hour and there would have been a lot more to come out. But thank you and good luck in all you do with the different building of communities. And, and thank you for your time. Thanks so much. It's a lovely, lovely time. So now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed, what are you going to do next? If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.